Welcome to Bitch Talk, booze and interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. This is Aaron. That's Ange. Hi. That's Char. Hello. You can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com and you can sign up for our monthly e-news. For behind the scenes videos and two minute clips of our interviews, head to our YouTube channel and subscribe. You can also find us every Monday morning from 6 to 6.30 at bff.fm. If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. So we are basic bitching Zoom style with one of my best friends from college, Kimberly Mangren, who uh, is currently a program supervisor for community-based programs that deal with underserved children and families. And uh, you're one of my rare friends that has actually pretty much work for the same company in a different capacity since you graduated <laughs> from college. Like that's so rare. Um, and, and I think that really speaks to, you know, your work ethic and, and your dedication to the cause. So I, I really wanted to talk to you in this time specifically, I mean, to be current, uh, Oakland Unified School District just voted to replace their police with mental health staff. Uh, we're talking about defunding police and putting those funds towards community programs, much like ones that you work on. So um, I'd love to hear you speak to what you think about the defund the police movement and um, how your training working with underserved children that, that sometimes can, has a potential for violence, how your training is so much, is so much more involved in, and why you would be way more effective in certain situations than a, than a cop. Yeah. I mean, no pressure, Kim. Welcome yeah. to the show. <laughs> we just got a happy Friday, everybody. Jesus, Jesus, Oprah. God, sorry. can't you soften what? it up a little bit? I'm sorry. We just got out of the pool, too. We're just like, oh, I'm like sunstroke. Oh. Sorry. It's so Kim, um, yeah. <laughs> well, we only have 30 minutes, so, yeah. Kim, tell us how you do your job better than cops. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I think we can all agree that, that cops are asked to to go to uh, situations that they're ill-equipped for, mm -hmm. period. Right, and I, exactly. I mean, kind of half of their job. And yeah, you can start, Kim, but I can keep well, going if you need a second to think. Yeah, I <laughs> know. I mean, I worked in Oakland Public Schools and one the I worked at one of the Oakland Public Schools that actually didn't have any um, uh, police, you know, people there. And so it was really, it was, an interesting thing like we had a we had a very specific rule around you not being able to get into fights and so that was sort of the line there that we drew for kids and it was a pretty small school that I worked at but you know I think the kids were able to really like hold that line for one another and really encourage people to not sort of get to the point where they were having I mean this was like you know peer support and them really getting into this like dialogue of like we don't want you to like get kicked out of the school and really supporting one another and, you know, just maintaining their cool. Um, and that's, a, I think that says a lot. That says a lot about like the community that was built at that school. I also just, I mean, the school felt really strongly that they just didn't want any, you know, police enforcement there. And, um, and I think it worked. It worked in a way where like the culture was built where they could just kind of maintain. Um, and, you know, there were like, less fights at that school than I'd seen at any other school that I'd worked at. Um, I mean, I think as far as my job goes, um, you know, I think like a big part of my job is to bring families in to the issues that are coming up for kids. And so it's not just the standalone issue for kids to kind of deal with on their own. 
it tends to be like a family issue. So we're kind of, you know, we bring in the most important people in their lives and really address it as a, a collective team. It's not just a, um, you know, it's left for the kid to like solve it on their own. And so I think in that way, like my job can be really impactful and empowering to um, the kids that we serve because they're really, you know, sometimes it's like the issues are more around family dynamics and we tend to start like going strong, like in that direction. And I think it, it, it tends to address some of the things that come up that really cause behavior to um, be an issue for some kids. And um, if I can ask a question, when you worked at this school in Oakland, um, was it very, very last resort to call the cops? And if, and if that was even um, spoken about, like, what would that look like? Yeah, I mean, I think it was, you know, it was a big conversation between the uh, admin at um, the school really talking about like, okay, is it something that we can kind of resolve on our own? Like, have we used everything we have here before we need, we need to sort of make that call? And we did have, um, I think different, I think the school had a relationship with the um, law enforcement that was in the area where they really, you know, the school would really talk with them about what was going on before they stepped in to handle any situation. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think that in my job, I, I would do that as well. If there were kids who really needed support and like getting hospitalized and so for psychiatric reasons, like we, you know, we would want to be really thoughtful about that and give information up front to police about what's going on. So then they, they're coming in with some knowledge in the situation and not just, you know, seeing a kid that's really dysregulated and um, needing support and then, um, you know, like feeling like it's an interrogation for that kid and um, mm-hmm. escalating it even further. And so we're really trying to partner with, we have tried to partner with them in the past to just make the situations a little bit better, but it's really been, I mean, I can count on like one hand how many times I think people through the years I've been there, I think I was there for two, yeah, two years and I could, you know, not even five times we've like called police to come and help resolve issues. Mm. So it rather has been last resort. If you had to call the cops, I mean, is the fear that if you're calling them, that means they're bringing in kids to juvie? Like it's just automatic? No, I mean, not always. I mean, I think that there, there have been, you know, issues, you know, more with like kids and families. And so Mm. it's kind of, you know, it's a situation where it doesn't feel like it could get handled otherwise as you know, the principal is stepping in to intervene and so it's just like it's just at this point where we feel like we need the additional support and okay. um yeah so it really hasn't been too it, yeah it hasn't been one of those situations where we really needed to um um like have people get arrested and things like that i mean i think it's mm-hmm. really been like intervention and just okay. trying to like de-escalate the situation yeah I watch yeah. too much like SVU and Law and Order, so I'm sorry. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, my, okay. that's my ignorance coming into this conversation. Like, I don't know, you know, I don't know how it all works. So thank you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it, it kind of parallels what we see happening um, in, in uh, 
protests. So, you know, they're peaceful protests. And, and what is it that sparks, that incites the violence or whatever? Oftentimes it's the, the, the guards, the police, the, the national guards coming in with all their riot gear. And it's like, is this necessary? And that just changes your whole mentality, you know, or, and, and it sounds similar to what's been going on, at least at the school that you were in. It's like, you know, people have their guard down when they don't have to see someone with a weapon and, you know, guarded up. It's just a social worker or mental health staff or whatever it is. And it's a softer presence and they, they mirror what they, the energy that they get from you. Right. I mean, you know, I think it sort of speaks to this um, school to prison pipeline. And, you know, you really think about like, this is kids already feel like they're at jail and they have to go to school sometimes, you know, they're like, my, my parents make me go. I, you know, there are things that I don't feel good about at the school and, um, or I don't feel confident about, you know, my abilities at school and I don't want to be here. And now I have to deal with this law enforcement that's here every day that I see when I walk in the door. And so, you know, I think it, it really sets a tone for the school and for people who are spending eight hours a day there to feel like, you know, I'm being watched and I'm being like monitored in this way that is very... Um, it just, it, yeah, you just, you, you know that there's, you know, someone who can arrest you there and you just, you have that, you know, in the back of your head or maybe mm -hmm. even the forefront of your, your mind when you're, when you're there and just like walking through your day. So. Yeah. I, I mean, even with me, I'll, I'll, I'll see a cop and I already feel guilty. I'm like, what did I do? You know what I mean? And I didn't do anything that, that they know right. of, exactly. <laughs> you know, but I still oh. feel guilty. And that's that just, <laughs> yeah, uh, but they, you've known me a little too long for that. But yeah, no, but that, that, that's the thing. It just changes your whole mentality. So I feel like I just, I like hearing your experience because I feel like a lot of people are nervous when they hear defund the police and, you know, either you get it or you're nervous and it scares you. And right. so I just want to want to hear from a voice of somebody that's dealt with, you know, situations that could potentially get violent and, and I mean you have gotten attacked like early on in, in your career by by kids but um but your approach you know you didn't need to to go there with with a gun or with anything you know like you you worked um really hard to gain trust and a sense of you know and and it's and it's something that only somebody that's trained would be able to do a cop wouldn't be able to de-escalate a situation in that same way right and I think in such a, I mean, the school that I worked at was so small, you know, we, um, everybody knew everybody's name and um, to, to know everybody at the school by name, you know, it says a lot for like just being able to be in a situation with a kid that's having a hard time and to call them by name and for them to have seen you and be familiar with you every day and to know, you know, I mean, the, the, the most, the highest intervention that I will We'll, we'll all be involved in is to, you know, call parents and to, you know, get kind of more people in to really support them. It's not to call the police and, um, you know, to take away their rights in a moment. It's really to support them and get them what they need um, when they're in a situation where they're having a difficult time. I, I'm assuming you're working, are you working in this time? with I am yeah I'm okay. actually doing more community-based so uh, prior to um moving up to Sacramento I was mm -hmm. um working in Oakland schools and so now I'm working in a community-based program and so okay. 
a lot of the kids we serve are more, um, you know, in, on probation um, in mm. the child welfare system. And so it's a little bit of a different situation. So, that, you know, we do pair with law enforcement in a way. Sorry, you caught me mid sip of my whiskey. No, that's okay. Um, that, oh, oh, um, that was a long sip. I know. Excuse me. You needed that. You needed that. Yeah. Um, but I, I was going to ask with a huge um, uprising in the world, like, how are the kids that you work with dealing with all of this? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's a hot topic right now as far as like, you know, what you're seeing all all over. You can't go, get away from it. I think even if you're avoiding the television, you may be on social media, you see that. And so, um, you know, I think it's something to really explore with kids. I mean, I, you know, there are very varying ways that people are um, complying with shelter in place. And so there, you know, maybe people who will feel a real move to go out and do something. And then there are ways that um, I think kids are really getting creative about how to protest and how to do things to really say like, you know, I'm, I want to speak up in this time um, uh, politically for various reasons, both, you know, for um, the Black Lives Matter movement and then also just, you know, for this time that we're in where, you know, campaigns matter and, you know, sometimes more over than, than health for some. Mm hmm. Are you referencing TikTok or just kidding? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Zoom generation Zoom. What do they call Boom? Zoomers. Zoomers. I don't even know those terms. I should. Oh, you're we'll welcome. We'll <laughs> we don't know what we're talking about. We'll know. talk after this. <laughs> yeah. Well, we should say that Kim is also raising twins outside of work. Right. So maybe you're not as. Uh, you can't read up as often as you as can't just look at us. your phone as long yeah. as we do <laughs> for like yeah. hours and cry. No, but, yeah. um, and, and, and for a lot of these homes that, you know, maybe, maybe for them during the stay at home, their, their home lives are not a safe space for them. How are you dealing with that situation when you can't even mm -hmm. be there in person to help them through it? I mean, it's a tough situation right now because you consider, you know, what, I mean, sometimes it, in community-based work, like an intervention is around safety is to call the police, you know, mm -hmm. and we're saying uh, things feel unsafe at the home. There's like DV that happens and for some families and, you know, you're saying, okay, well, if things get out of hand, like, do you want to call the police? Like we have, it's almost like you have to say, do you want to call the police instead of calling the police, you know, because mm -hmm. it's really about their comfort level and what they're really going to do. Cause you can write something up and say like, Hey, we've planned this out, but it really is, kind of up to the family to decide what's more comfortable for them. Um, and so that's, that's like the, that's a big one right now. I think, um, you know, people are, it is a hard time right now. And so, you know, you just really think you, you see a lot of people really having um, symptoms increase around, you know, their mental health and depression and anxiety. And so there's just a lot there to really deal with in this time. And a lot to be worried about. I feel like, you know, how do you put that down in a day? And so um, I, I think our agency and our, our programs um, have been really, the people that are awesome that work with the clients. And, and so, you know, people get really creative in what to do. I think this is a time where you kind of, you know, you reach for different stuff because you kind of have to. And um, there's been, you know, there's just been a lot of people connecting with kids in a different way than they normally would. Hmm. Um, and really just being super, um, 
persistent in just, you know, making sure that kid, kids are connected somehow, even if it's not going to be, you know, in the typical way that we do therapy and the typical way that we provide mental health. Um, and you've seen that response even through, um, you know, different counties being really, um, being able to really adjust and shift their way of sort of a, a, approaching the work and then also saying like for other people that do the work and they contract for, uh, they contract um, with to do the work that they say, okay, it's all right for you guys to just do teletherapy right now. I mean, it's just mm -hmm. been really um, nice to see the flexibility that we've had to be able to continue to do the work. And I think it's important work to do at this time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. More, more important than ever for sure. And, and like just, just hearing about, uh, the, the work that you put in and how long it takes and to even make the smallest bit of, of change and effect in, in these kids' lives. Now think about them as adults who, and, and you know, when we're talking about uh, sending police to come in for uh, domestic abuse or, or child abuse, you know, or, or all these things that they're, they're ill-equipped for. It's like, you can't just come in and, and fix it in one second. And these things take time. And if we invest in, real programs like yours that really come in and, and think of it from, it's not just like you said with the schools, it's not just the kids issue, you bring in the family, you talk to everybody, you figure out the dynamics and, and where the toxicity is, you know, um, it, it just, it just makes so much sense when you break it down like that. Yeah. And I, I also think like at this time, because we've been in a pandemic for <laughs> how long has it been? Like Forever. Four, four months. So going on four five. months. Yeah a lifetime, um, we, you know, you're going to see like budget cuts. You're going to see things that are going to happen anyways, where people are going to really have to look at the money that's being spent in programs, um, and by counties and to really consider, you know, where, where is the money that we can give back? Um, and so, you know, I think people are already in this position. And so to defund the police, to be able to give money over to places that really are going to need it at this point is, you know, we're, everybody has to talk about that right now. If they're, if they're working and you're working, uh, for a county and, you know, you're working in a government job and things like that, you know, really have to think about, you know, where, where are we going to sort of say, like, we're going to not, you know, put money into art supplies for our, you know, therapy or whatever. And then we're going to, we really want to keep all our staff on, but we're really going to, and cut here and cut there and so you know I think it's already a conversation that's happening in different places and so in, in some ways it should be happening with police as well right. think, yeah. so how do you yourself how do you balance all of this and then come home to your twins <laughs> and your partner <laughs> well I'm already home so I'm just <laughs> right. like Open oh. the door to your twin. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, how in this in this moment? I mean, your job is already really taxing. I I would assume. Um, but I mean, you know, this is like a this is an avalanche right. of world problems all at once. So you know, it's tough. What's, it's what's your self care? Uh, mezcal cocktails. I know. <laughs> hey, hey, there's no judgment here. <laughs> she makes a mean mezcal cocktail. I mean, yeah, I think like I, when I'm home all day and I'm in zoom meetings and talking about all this stuff, you know, I'm just, I'm like, I need to get out of the house. And so sometimes it's just like walking the dog. Sometimes it's like jumping straight into the pool or, 
you know, trying to be like present in a moment with my kids. Like I just, I think there's like little things that I can do to just kind of get away from for a moment. Um, because that it's just like, it's a running, it's a running dialogue and a running internal dialogue about like what the hell is going on right now. And <laughs> right. it's, yeah, everything is effed. And so, you know, you just, I think you just try to like step away from it and put it down sometimes. And that's like, what I have to do um but you know it's I think the one thing there's like to me the, the silver lining is being home with my kids as much as I can be and you know if I was working five days a week and doing my job I'd come home and I'd see them for two hours like I get to see that I get to have lunch with them I get to uh see them learning from my wife as a teacher and just spends all day with them which is probably the harder job out of the two, honestly. Like it's, it is a very hard job to just keep kids that are four to uh, girls entertained for a whole day <laughs> and then put them to bed at night and feel like- She's amazing. She's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and she has so many ideas of what to do with them. And so just to see them kind of like do their thing, even if like I'm in a hard place and like a conversation that I'm having with somebody or, you know, throughout my day, I can just, I can, once I have that conversation and I put it down and prepare for the next and have this space in between, like I just go and hang out with them for a minute and like chill and like lay with them on the ground or whatever. Like, it's just, it's something I need in my day. And so I think that's really been key for me in keeping me sane. And since I kind of know you, um, how's the adjustment from being in the Bay area so long and moving up to Sacramento for you and, was it just easy and you're ready for it or are there things that you miss or? Yeah. I mean, there, there's definitely things that I miss. Um, I, how long did you I live in the, the Bay area? How since long were you I, um, since 99. Yeah. So I, I went to college in San Francisco with Ange. I went to college, met Ange. Um, and then and that was it. You know, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and that was the highlight of your life, and it's okay. downhill ever since. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, no, so it's, yeah, I just, I feel like having two kids, I was just ready to slow down, and it felt like the right time. Um, my wife just finished her, her program and her master's program, mm. and so we were, like, done with school, and we're just like, okay, let's, now it's the time to move. They were going into school. They were going into preschool, so it was just, like, good timing. And we couldn't, we couldn't move anywhere else in the Bay Area, to be honest. Like, right. we just, there was no, no option for us in terms of getting more space, and we really wanted that. And so this was the option, and I really like Sacramento. I think it's a cool place. Um, there's, I, I, we sort, what, something that was important to us in moving was to make sure that we had, uh, we were moving to a place where it was, there were, there were a lot of people who, a lot of families who looked like us here. And, um, yeah. yep. you know, lo and behold, like Sacramento has a very high population of LGBT families and people around. And so I, I had no idea. And I, we researched some of that before we came. And um, so it, that was really important to us. And um, I think that it, we've really been able to, like, get our kids into school and, you know, see two moms, and, you know, so mm. that's, that, that's really, that's been really good. 
Mm -hmm. I always forget about that for you guys just because, just because. Um, So I'm really glad you brought that up. And was it a limited search for you? Because I feel like people that are outside the Bay Area just think California in general is like, they're super liberal and blah, blah, blah. It's like, eh. If you just go over a bridge and up 20 minutes, it's not that liberal, yeah. so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's limited. I, mm. you know, we were looking at Davis and Sacramento and, you know, I just, I sort of like, we spent some time in Davis and I was just like, mm, I don't know if I want, like, I don't want to live in a college town. Like, I wasn't really, I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't, yeah, that wasn't the, like, direction I really wanted to go. And so this seemed like a good compromise, you know, it's a slower pace and um, you still have that city life. There's still some connection to the giants because you know, river cats. <laughs> the river cats, yeah. The river yep. cats, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So, you know, that was good for me and Keiko too. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Kim. I thought, oh, I'm sorry. Were you going to say something else? Kim, were you going to say oh. something else? Me? Oh. You open your mouth again, but or is it to drink? Okay. Oh no. <laughs> no, I <laughs> No no I, I was just, just Yeah, I no, was I gonna just... say that Ange is actually here and uh, this weekend because we're celebrating Pride in at our house because we're Aww. not you know, usually we go to San Francisco. We we always meet up for Pride, yeah. And we have a ton of fun and the kids come every now and then. Um, but you know, because we couldn't do anything like that this year and we just weren't, you know, willing to take any risks like that. And I don't even think there's even stuff. I'm not even sure if there's stuff stuff happening, but um, we decided to do a little thing here. And so we're like doing blow up rainbow things and just having, you know, having a lot of fun with our family, but also having Ange here. um, (laughs) The clown for the kids. Ange is proud. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Ange is really um, just, it's different actually being home and having like one other person here. It makes like all the difference. Like we feel like, we, my wife and I were like, we feel like we're on vacation now. And we like, (laughs) we did the same thing yesterday and it just felt like routine. But then now that Ange is here, it's like a whole different. (laughs) Yeah, you can walk away both of you and she's still there with the kids if that's a thing you know like you don't have to think oh, about it yeah yeah they're gonna regret <laughs> they don't it want, they don't want to talk to us at all they well that's true yeah i know how friends, much they love so. her yeah yeah no I'm, I'm staying you're gonna regret this they got a pool i'm here for good yeah <laughs> yes that's fine as long you as you're still in the, in the country yeah <laughs> no as long as you're still no, here Ange. Yeah, no, but thank you for coming on. Again, I, I, I pulled a two days ago, hey, want to bitch talk with us? And you said <laughs> yes. And I think especially, I mean, I've, I've always just looked up to you for what you do, but especially in this time and what's going on with our world, I think it's more important than ever. And I, I hope you keep continue to get the money that you deserve for your, uh, for your programs. And yeah, just thank you for working and doing what you do. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Now make me another cocktail. (laughs) If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about us, you can head to bitchtalkpodcast.com. This podcast is created, hosted, and executive produced by Aaron Lim. My co-host is Angela Tabora, a.k.a. Captain Party. The show's edited by producer Shar. We're powered by GoTo Productions.